Your property podcast comes to you with thanks to our friends at Trafalgar Square Finance, leading independent specialists in mortgages and all types of property finance. Whether it's buy-to-let, development or bridging finance, Trafalgar Square can help you organise your funding for your next property project. Exclusively to listeners of Your Property Podcast, Trafalgar Square offer a free one-to-one consultation. So whether you are a portfolio landlord looking to raise funds on your existing portfolio, or if you're just starting out and want to find out if you are eligible for a buy-to-let mortgage, Trafalgar Square Finance can help. It's easy to book with one of their experienced consultants by simply visiting yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash finance. You can find this link in the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome to Your Property Podcast. Today we've got back on the show, John Howard. Hi, John. How are you doing? Hi. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm okay, thank you very much. I, I suppose the fact I'm back on the show is probably a good sign, isn't it? It has to be a good sign, right? Back <laughs> raring to go. You can't keep away from these things. <laughs> Well, it, it, it's, it's like, you know, property is a, is, 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 a, is a moving target, you know, things change and, and uh, your situation changes and the cash flow changes and, and uh, you have to keep with it, don't you? Yes, you do. You have to keep changing with the times, whatever it kind of throws in your way. Yeah. And there's yeah. been lots that has been thrown in your way, our way the past year or so. It's been very different since I was checking the last um uh, recording that we did last podcast was March 2022 so What's for it? anybody who wants yeah more of an introduction to to John and, and who he is and I think like just go back to that one um because that gives a really good overview but it was interesting because we made some predictions back then about what was happening and um it hasn't quite fallen off the cliff as we thought it could have back then the property markets but you know a lot of things have changed I suppose it depends what sector you're in um, but you're most impacted by planning gain development and yeah. larger projects so how does it yes. differ for you? Well I think I think it's absolutely you're absolutely right Michelle I mean I'm I'm I've been given the nickname of the Grim Reaper now which isn't very nice because um, I'm, I'm always I'm always predicting, you know, well, not always, but at the moment, predicting things are going to get tougher. And I believe they will. You know, I've survived three property recessions and I can see this turning into a, a recession. I'm not saying it's going to be a very deep one, but what I, what I would say is that everything takes longer than people think. I always say, oh, you know, we're coming into a tough time. We can start buying cheap property. You know, things are going to get easier and they don't for a while. But I always look at like a big boat. It takes a long time to stop and turn around and come in the other, come in the other direction. And you know, if you think something's going to take a year in terms of the market to to sort of falter and and to change, it's probably going to take two. Right. And if you think it's two, it's probably going to be four. So you know, for me, um, the madness of coming out of COVID and prices going up and all that business, we didn't get involved in any of that. Thank goodness. Um, and in a in a in a hot market, as I said before, I think in a hot market we struggle to make any money because people pay too much for everything. Yeah. So now this is our this is our time, and this is this is our time, and it's the time for a lot of sensible people that have got a little bit of cash, perhaps, and have been sensible. Um, and you know, I think the next twelve months are going to be very tough. Now, 
of course, if you're doing um, HMOs and all that sort of stuff, is pretty safe. You know, let's be honest. There's a you know, there's a housing shortage, so you know you can't really go wrong um, on that side of things. Um, your income might might have been affected by you know electricity bills and gas bills if you didn't have them all all uh, independently metered for the for the residents. And by the way, in the old days, um, that's what we did. Of course, we didn't have all this. Um, business where you know the landlord pay, pays electricity bill we had individual meters and i don't sound old but we started off at five pence five pence pieces then 10 then 50 and i remember sitting there on the floor counting all this all the 50 pence pieces you know for the electricity of course you could charge a profit on the electricity in those days i can now i don't know because i haven't got any thank god i haven't got any hmos but um not my scene but um it's funny how things come full circle because now everyone's talking about these fancy meters and we've just put some in actually in 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 Warwickshire where um we bought a block of um a, a country house in 12 flats uh, last year and uh stupidly the landlord was paying all the heating and all the and some of the electricity bills bonkers so we put these fancy meters in for gas that allow us to then charge them whatever they've used i don't know how it works mm -hmm. by the way i haven't got a clue Michelle, so no need to know as long, long as someone else can do it for me yes and yeah. in terms of development then things obviously you know the, the prices are falling we've got Lloyds and Santander moment predicting this five to seven percent drop and then recovering in 2025 that's what the banks are predicting mm. at the moment but what do you think um is going to happen within the development market where you've got these you know the the GDVs are are going down. How do you make deals stack at the moment? Well, if you know if you know how to do that, let me know, Michelle. Will you? No. Um, <laughs> so so it, we've had. Well, let's just go back a little bit. We've had the perfect storm. So if you've got interest rates doubling, if you've got property prices really dropping 15 percent from the optimistic valuations that agents give you. There's two lots of valuations. There's the optimistic ones you may give the bank, and you may and the, and your agent might agree with you because he, he or she wants the business. And then there's reality. So I trade in reality, and my reality is always five to ten percent below what the agent says initially says. Um, normally they end up agreeing with me somewhere along the line uh, because they want the business, and I say to them, look, you know, just give it to me straight. You know, um, I, I, and the way I do that sometimes is I say to them, price it to sell in eight weeks. And that yeah. gives them the excuse to then say, well, if it's eight weeks, you might need to have it at this price. So that that I think is quite useful to know. So you've had build costs go up 30 percent over the last three years. Um, that's now slowed down. I, to be honest with you, that's got more sensible. Um, but, you know. It, it's it's what I call a perfect storm and very few people can survive a perfect storm like that where you've got a massive difference um, if you started a project and it's taken you a long time to do it you you've probably got caught up with prices interest rates doubling and also costs going up dramatically as well and and very few people can survive that and if you're one of them listening to this podcast do not beat yourself up get whatever cash you can out and go again because you've learned from mistakes and you're dealing in a totally different market this time around so if you've done that and you you know get out the best you can you might be able to rent some sell some whatever 
get the bank sorted and move on. Um, so that's the first first thing I'd say. From our point of view, we've tended to specialise in buying part finished sites. So these sites are where a bank have come in, taken off the taken off the uh, of the developer, and then need to sell it at a for sale value. And we've bought. Uh, We've got two schemes in Scotland like that, one of 26,000 flats, one of 12. We buy about to buy another one up in Scotland. Um, only took me 42 years to buy a deal in Scotland. Now I bought, well, nearly three. Um, and then we bought um, similar in, in, in Hungerford, Birmingham. And then one or two, we picked one or two quite nice sites up, um, which are conversions um, of people who desperately need the money or it's a family situation where because the money is being split five ways a price reduction doesn't make that much difference to them and i think if you identify the properties that you're able to buy at the moment they're mainly off um, institutions um banks where they can afford to take the hit um anybody trying to buy anything a property of some in a personal capacity it's very difficult for them to accept the prices that they're worth they normally take about a year to realize most private individuals that they won't get the price they thought they were going to get um yeah. and that's so a, where are we in that year are we at the end I of the year no i think we're probably six months into it i would say in reality um and then they say well okay you know we might as well move on we've got to move and, and of course the other thing is if they're and it's not always the case because you're probably buying vacant or, you know, it's the problem. there's a problem with it anyway. But of course, if you actually own a property and you're buying another one, it doesn't matter what the market's doing. It doesn't matter because you, you're going to benefit probably um, within that marketplace. So if, you, if, you, you know, if you're selling one and buying another one, you, okay, you sell a bit cheaper, but you buy a bit cheaper. And of course, if you're buying a bigger property, you're making more savings. So, you know, there's a, there's a way of spinning these things um in everyone's favor really going forward and you mentioned before about you know you specialize in buying these larger projects that are part finished i suppose for most people listening that's probably out of their league um or instead of experience as well so where do you think people can buy uh deals that are stacking like let's say you know in the next six months is it going just through right move or property filter or is it is it on the portals or do you think it's best to go through agents or try and go direct still if you can yeah I, I think well I think you try all those things I mean right move right moves the retail price mark the retail market why anybody wants to buy anything off right move okay you hear the story well I nicked it off right move but it's highly unlikely more 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 likely now to be fair than it was before so if you follow the price reductions that's what I would be doing. The ones that have been on the market a year or so, they're the ones I'd be following, not the ones that have just come on, a uh, waste of time. Because actually, if you're buying it, are you that lucky? Are you that clever? Or are you just paying too much money for it? If it's just come on the market, probably too much money. If you're in a, a tender situation and you, you know, there's four other people want all that is a, you know, a, um, um, they, there's a situation where, you know, they have a, they have a, um, a date on it, you know, you bids in by 12 noon on whenever if you're the best bid at the moment i would be very i would be very concerned why are you the best bid you know because do you know something everyone else doesn't if that's the case that's fantastic if you know you can get planning and no one else thinks about that or whatever that's great if you've got an angle but 
you know, to just be, the, 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 you know, outbid everybody, I would say you're probably paying too much because don't forget, it's a falling knife. The market is falling. Uh, there is a saying, never catch a falling knife, of course, and wait and be patient. Uh, I struggle to do that. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we've got the ability sometimes to get in and out of deals quite quickly because in a falling market, unless you're looking long term, you do need to get out of these things relatively quickly unless you're making a very, very large, large margin, making a totally. very large margin or waiting to the market recovers. That's that's fine. Yeah. How do we know when the knife has, has fallen? Well, that's a really good question, Michelle. I'm glad you asked me that. The main way of, 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 of checking that, and it's a bit blurred at the moment, is the auction market. Because the auction market is the barometer for the whole of the property market on the whole, on the whole. So whatever happens in auctions happens in the rest of the market six to nine months later. It's the cash and carry. So when you said, where, where would you be buying deals? <coughs> Excuse me. Then, then buying them at auction um, is, is probably one that if you've got the money to do so, if you can organize yourself properly, then that's probably one of the best ways of buying a bargain. However, at the moment, interestingly, the, mar the auction market isn't doing too badly, it's just disappointingly for people like me and you, Michelle. So the simple, the simple properties are selling quite well. So the terrace houses that need refurbishing, which is a great way to start, of course, if you want to get into property developing in any shape or form. Uh, you know, buy a house, refurbish it, sell it. You learn so much about what you're doing, and you're not going to lose any money probably, and you're going to and you're going to learn a lot on the job. Now, those types of properties are still going for quite good money, which is a bit disappointing, to be honest with you. That will, I think, that will change. A friend of mine, I mean, I used to own auction house UK, as you know, and Brian Baxter is a, um, he's the the chief auctioneer there. I was talking to him. They've just sold some commercial stuff for me, actually. And I was chatting to Brian um, and he was saying that, you know, they're turning down a hell of a lot of properties at the moment that, that are just overpriced for the auctions. Right. So, you know, everything that's in an auction at the moment, the reserve will be priced right. The problem is if you've got two or three people wanting to buy it, it'll go over the reserve. But you can be pretty confident that everything that's in an auction at the moment is very competitively priced because they've had so much they can choose from. They right. won't, an auctioneer will not take properties that at the moment that are too much money because they've got a massive choice of what they can take. When the market is tight and there's not much, pro much property around, they will take stuff that's overpriced, but at the moment they won't. So that's a, uh, uh, the auctions, auctions, auctions. Of course, I've got a good book on auctions I wrote, haven't I, as well, Michelle? Yeah. We'll just plug that. Could be useful. For we'll put the link in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, yeah, auction, auctions is the cash and carry. I say auctions is the cash and carry and uh, right move and things like that are the retail, really. Mm -hmm. And you've obviously come into contact with lots of people through the uh, lots of mentees through your uh, property elevator and just through everything that you're doing with uh, with educating people, like whether that's online yeah. or in person. Yeah. What do you think people are missing at the moment? Is there anything obvious you think you can see a pattern here? People are just missing something obvious. Well, the, the, the thing we all miss uh, and all get wrong is, 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 is the two things that have been people have got wrong in property for the last 500 years. And that is coming on time and on budget, because, you know, the only time <laughs> I said this to a bank the other day, and I don't think I should have done, actually, although they've already lent me the money, so they can't do much about it. But 
they said to me, they were talking about, um, they're quite a big bank and they were talking, I was on Zoom with them and they were talking about, you know, this the project I've got, which is, you know, four months late, which is, you know, we always put, we always add at least another six months to every project, at least another six months, because it, things just, you know, you, you either start late, finish late, build lets you down, you know, something goes wrong. And I said, well, like, to be honest with you, in 40 odd years, I think I've only come in on budget and on time about five times. And bear in mind, I bought over 4,000 properties, bought and sold over 4,000 properties. And, he, and you can see the guy on the Zoom looking at me, the MD of this company, bank, looking at me going, I don't think that's very good. But I said, look on the bright side, the ones that have come in on, on time have been the ones which have been very large projects. So, you know, 26 million project, um, 150 flats in Ipswich, we came in on time, in front of time and on budget. But that's because you've got a massive company doing it. They've got huge resources. Um, you know uh, the most organized management system ever probably um and i spent eight hundred and forty thousand on consultants so i said that's that's how you come in on budget and on time do a big project and 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 spend a fortune and he it just laughed seems, but it seems counterintuitive but as yeah. you say the more resources that are available yeah, the easier it should go absolutely you know to expect a one-man band um with his mate uh, who's doing all the work and then is being let down by the plasterer and the let and the sparky to come in on budget and on time is probably a bit unrealistic um it, yes it happens sometimes and we've got one project at the moment which is ahead of schedule and the builder keeps reminding me he's ahead of schedule and i think yeah at the moment you are let's see where you are at the end but 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 the key is to always add six months on to any and i don't care whether you think it's going to take nine months or you're going to take a year i put six months on I put six months on yeah. and my contingency and by the way here's a quick trick for contingency because these bloody banks will go on oh you've used all your contingency i always say no i haven't used all my contingency internally i have a 20 percent contingency not a 10 percent. they don't know what to say to that right so you know you can just turn it around a little bit um uh and i i always have 20 percent contingency on uh, part finished part finished sites because there's so there's so much that can go wrong so much you don't know about and you try and do your due diligence of course you do but there's always something that that comes up i mean at the one at, at lady bank in scotland we're doing we've had i mean everything's been thrown at us literally everything but we've had five neighbors come up and say oh the last developer said he was going to put the new fence up and he took the fence down and hadn't done it and 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 he hadn't done the drive he said he'd do my drive so you end up doing all these other things to keep everyone happy because you need the you need everyone to support you in the community to do it. So that's a prime example. You know, we didn't know there was five five unhappy neighbours. Um, yeah. What and, and that a wall had to be come down and be put back up, which was fifty thousand quid because it was leaning, you know, and things like that. So there's always things that come up out the woodwork uh, on, especially on part finished difficult sites. Yeah. And if that's how you've always done it, have you changed what you are doing in terms of contingency or would you advise, I suppose, people to change what they're doing to be even more risk averse in the current market? I think you can afford in this market, um, you, you can afford to, in a way, to take less risks because there's less competition. You know, when you've got when the market's hot and there's four people chasing a deal, you might have to exchange in a week, less than a week, whereas in this market, if you're the only buyer, you'll you'll find people are much nicer to you, and also agents will ring you back in this market. They won't <laughs> they won't ring you back in a hot market. In this market, you're their best friend. 
so true. you do find you know um, everyone I'm sure has found that um and I and you should be working on bigger margins at the moment than you would in a hot market because a hot market you can sort of predict well the market's not going to drop for next year or so you know probably um whereas and and if you get the price wrong in a you get the price wrong in a hot market the, the inflation the more you get for it will get you out of it the, the extra bumps you get out of a deal in a hot market will probably get you out of it whereas in this market that's the other way around so you need to work on much bigger margins you need to be more risk averse um but there's more opportunities more opportunities and i don't want to be putting people off because you know i've made more money in and coming out of a property recession than at any other time in my career what type of deals do you think suit this market that we're in today if people are going to go out in the next three months to look for a deal which types of deals is it mainly planning gain or is it um you know bigger developments or smaller developments I, well it's a, it all depends what i would say to people and what annoys me with a lot of the education people get is that not always but in some cases they're being taught by someone that's only ever done one thing so they push them down that route and what I say to people, I don't get many, as you know, I don't get many people on my property, my seminars. I don't do many because I'm busy. But I, the first thing I say is there's lots and lots of ways of making money out of property. You have a massive choice of what you want to do. You can do, you can buy lock, you can buy and sell lock up garages if you want to. You know, it's up to you. And, and the whole point of coming to a seminar, hopefully, is to gain a lot of knowledge, but also decide what you want to do. Because what you thought you might want to do before you came might change by the end of the two days or one day or whatever. So I, I, I think that in a, in, a, in, a, in a tough market like this one, there's lots of different ways of making lots of different ways. Give me a top three. Sorry? Give me a top, top three. three. Well, I suppose um, land becomes very, very cheap in a tough market because you're buying it and that's just the start. That's not halfway through. It's not like a conversion that's nearly, you know, like you're buying a, something to refurbish. It's easy to finish. So land becomes super, super cheap. And if you can buy it subject to planning, you really are on a free hit, you know, a free hit. Because if you're clever, you can always get out of it, even if you get planning. Um, so I would say the the and and it really is recession proof as well. And as much that you're making a gain, you know, you're making a gain, that extra gain because you're going and getting planning. So I think planning is a, is a long one. It bores me to tears. I don't like it. But a lot of people love it. I've got friends who all they do is is by, you know, subject to planning sites all over the place. So if you're into that and you're into detail, brilliant, no problem. The, the, the simplest one, of course, is the terrace houses doing that need doing up and things like that, semis. If you can afford to buy a slightly better house, then you've got less competition. So terrace house, you might have 50 people chasing it. Semi, you might have 30. Detached, you might only have 10 because it's more money and people will perceive the risk being slightly more because you know if you're buying a house that's worth five hundred thousand when it's finished they or four hundred thousand when it's finished compared to say one hundred fifty thousand the risk of getting the price wrong is more yeah. and the variation is more but you have to be confident about your ability and what you do so I think that's another one um, obviously getting more sophisticated part finish where someone else has taken a hit on the build work you know and you're buying at a discount because uh, it needs unraveling and sorting out that's great but you but you do need to know what you're doing and most some banks may not accept you uh, lend you the money if you're not that experienced on that um if you can if you can get a really good return on hmos fantastic fantastic but you've got to bear in mind that 
the interest you'll be paying is about 7% on the loan. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the heat's come out of that because of, because it was two and a half percent you're probably paying and now it's seven and a half. Uh, the same, you could argue that, of course, with any, any investment at the moment. What I find, what are two things I find interesting at the moment is that these bridging companies that were very expensive are now about the same price as a normal bank. So they haven't put their interest rates up really, touch wood. Perhaps I shouldn't be saying that. So I, I've borrowed money over the years and still do from Coots, NatWest, Barclays, Shawbrook. And if I'm borrowing a development, if I'm bar borrowing money to develop a property now, property development this is, not investment, then I'm paying about 12% with them, all in, 12%. Well, I'm not paying virtually any more than that with some of the well-known bridges. Yeah. So, and the bridges, the great thing about the bridges, coots take three months. They will invite me for lunch. It's very nice, but they take three months. Whereas I can get the money off one or two of the other guys and girls within 10 days. If I'm organized, I'm super organized, then I can do it within 10 days. So, and to do it quickly, quick tip. How do you, how do you get money off a bridging company quickly? What do you reckon, Michelle? No. The simplest thing you can do. The very simplest thing you can do. Go on. Get your valuation done first yourself. Oh, okay. Get your valuation done yourself. Check that they'll accept it before you do it. Get it done yourself. Get it made in, out to your own name. Yeah. And then like you then the valuer will charge you a little bit more for putting it in their name, but it's already done and you're in control of the situation. Great tip. Like it. Like it? I do like it a lot. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, the difference between the whole thing up because you can say here's the valuation, here's the cash flow, here's this, here's that, here's that. When you go to a bridger, make sure you give them all the information. You know this, Michelle, I know, but all the information, you know, cash flows, this, that, the other, valuation as well. So right, it's all there. Can I have the money in seven days, please? They'll say no, it'll take 10. So okay, 10 days. Boom, do it. And yeah, get your solicitor organized. Now. Get get your solicitor done, already done the search for you. So they can pass the search across and all, all any information tidied up on the title and so on. So there's no queries. Okay. And what about the difference between working with investors versus working with banks? So you've talked about working with sort of high street well, lenders, I'm a but bit, what about yeah, investors? I, I, I'm a, yeah, I'm a bit spoiled because I don't tend to deal with really, I've never dealt with many investors. Um, I've, I've had over the years um, a couple of very good backers. Um, and we've owned the companies 50-50, um, so my partners, really, if anything. Um, with, with backers, um, with, with investors, I should say, I, I think backers and investors are two different things. So with a backer, they'll probably own, own it with you, the company with you, and you build the company up between you. The fashionable thing these days, I know, is to have a company, and then once the, you know, start a new company, once the development's done, get rid of the company, start again. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, with what I call investors, you have to be, I think, very careful because um, they may not be that experienced in property. So you have to hold the hand very much. So I would always um, under promise and over deliver. So um, very important that they have your confidence and they don't lose your confidence during the project. Um, but first of all, they need to gain your confidence. And when I, when I go and speak at these events, I've said this to you before, Michelle, but I speak at, the, you know, some of these events, uh, property, property clubs and whatever, and they're very, very good. They really 
the people who run these clubs up and down the country, I admire them. I mean, they're giving so much good knowledge away um, and it's a great networking opportunity. However, what I do, I come away from them and I might, I might be the main speaker and I come away feeling depressed because when I listen to some of the guys, not the, not the ladies, the, men, the guys, the men, about how well they're doing and what they're doing and how they're doing this and how they're doing that, how much money they're making. I think I'm doing something wrong. However, men like to show off. And the worst thing you can do if you're talking to an investor is show off. Be humble. Well, yeah, you are the investor. So in this scenario, you invest with people through their projects. So I always say, okay. Yeah. So if I'm, yeah, if I'm investing and I don't do much of it at the moment because I'm busy doing my own stuff. If I'm investing in someone else and we do, of course, the property graduate where we give a million. Um, in fact, the series three is going on Sky quite soon uh, where we where we 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 give um, a million pounds worth of funding to someone and go 50 50 in a new company with them if they can find a deal within 12 months. Um, the most important thing I'm looking for two, were well, two most important things. Well, uh, one is likability. If you don't like the person and they're cocky, cocky, arrogant, over-exaggerated. And, and the second thing is if, if they're over-egging everything. So like, oh, well, yeah, we can get 400,000 for that when you, you, know, you think, well, sounds a lot to me, more like 300, you know. So anybody over-egging things. So, so be humble, be humble, be pleasant, be humble. You know, if you want to find a property deal and and you need, you need to engage with lots of people. And if you've got an agent who can deal with five different people, why are they going to deal with you? Two reasons. One, because they like you and you're straightforward and you've got a bit about you, a bit of banter or whatever. And the second thing is you're going to pay them a 2% finance fee. And we always pay 2% finance fee to everyone. So anybody that brings us a deal, we pay 2% finance fee to. So I think likability is so important. And on the property elevator, you know, it is so it's so vital and you can see even if the deals aren't that good some people might go nicholas especially he says yes to everything by the way nicholas war is a big tip by the way we, we filmed series seven i can't believe in february i can't believe i'm looking forward to it um uh but but what what nicholas is very clever doing even if the deal isn't good enough and he knows it's not good enough he still says look this deal's not good enough but i love to work with you because he can see something in them yeah yeah you know, and it's that's not about clever. the deal. It's about not the always deal. about that yeah. deal. It's all about making contact and actually having another deal. And you might go, well, actually, I've got this other one I'm working on. Or, or two months later, you might say, well, yeah, I've got, and you've got contact. So you can ring them up, say, yeah, ring me up or whatever and say, I've got this deal. Come on, don't be a, don't be a wet weekend. Get on and get on and let's do a deal. So, yeah. So likability is so important because if you don't like the person, even if the deal's good, you think he's going to, he or she's going to be a pain in the arse all the way through. You don't want that. You don't want that. And are you looking for anything in particular, given the current market in people when they're presenting their deals? I don't think you want to be in this deal. You don't want to be anything in anything too long in this market, unless, of course, you decide that within two years, things are going to look a lot better. Because in most of these deals, they're going to take two years. Time you if you buy a property without planning permission, you get planned. I mean, I mean a bigger scheme. I don't mean a house. I mean perhaps you know ten flats. You'd patch converting, say. Then by the time you bought it, got planning permission, started it, finished it, sold it, at least two years, maybe three. So you have to look at the market and look at what's happening to the economy and go, where are we going to be in two, two years' time? Because if you think you're going to be in a good place in two years' time, 
you need to fill your boots now. If you think, do you the think we're going to be going down more, well, I think I think the market's going to go down a bit more. Yeah, I think and next then, year's going to be super tough. And one of the reasons it's going to be super tough, super tough, is there's going to be a general election. And when there's a general election, the market is always dreadful. And the reason it's dreadful is because people use it as an excuse not to do anything. So you get this, you get you get this, everything is stagnant. And if you've got a, a couple who are looking to buy, one's keener to buy than the other, they say, well, we better wait for half the election to see who wins. Well, one, we think Labour are going to win, and I'm a past chairman of the Conservative Party so Association. So, you know, um, we sadly, we think, one, we think we're going to lose. And secondly, um, it's likely to be at the end of the year, the election. I spoke to a minister at the conference who said they won't, there won't be another conference before the next election. The, the conference is always October. So she thought September. But for me, the way things are going with Israel and everything else, I can see it being pushed back further. They don't like having an election in the winter because knocking on doors, it's dark. But they might even go to January if they're really desperate, if, they get, if they're really desperate. But the other thing is, I thought November would be good, but... The American elections are in November and they never clash, never clash. So if if the if Russia can get the inflation rate down to three percent or less, it'll go in May before the boats start coming across again with the jet with the local elections. So the local elections could be a disaster. Right. So you think it'd be recovering the market recovering in two to three years? Yeah, I think I I, I would say because once Labour get in, if Labour get in at the end end of next year. There's going to be a bit of turmoil, you know, before they start throwing things around. They're going to get tough on landlords, tough on property developers. And when they say, by the way, they're going to build one and a half million houses, that's not houses for, that's house, that's social houses mostly. Don't forget that. It will be, create a boom in the building industry, but they're not building them for, you know, they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to be tough on how, uh, tough on developers and tough on landlords without question. Without question, you know, they don't believe anyone should have more than one house. So good luck to all your listeners. <laughs> well, go on then. Let's end on a let's end on a positive. Give us yeah. give us one or two things that people, given given everything that we've talked about today, yeah. um, you know, do they just sit home and wait? Or do you think, you know, like still carry on? <clears throat> well, that's very interesting because over the years. In the last two or three property recessions, I've always jumped too soon. So when I think things are going down, you know, I think, oh, we're in a recession, or oh, the market's going down, great, we'll get, and I've got busy too soon. And in 1990, I would have been far better, 92, sorry, in, I've been far better in 1992 to do nothing for 18 months, nothing for 18 months, than I was running around trying to buy and sell and, and, you know, when the market's dropping and it dropped 25, 30 percent, and I don't see it dropping 25, 30 percent here. I think it's just going to be it's just going to bobble along the bottom a bit. And, and don't forget, it's a micro market, Michelle. So there's areas where the market won't go down, you know, and there's areas where the market will go down more. So this is an average. You know, I think it's gone down 10, 15 percent. I've got six estate agencies in Norfolk I own. Um, find a country offices, upmarket offices. So we sell nice, you know, nice property. And 70% of our buyers are cash buyers. And they're still, but, you know, they they don't worry too much. I mean, they, 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 there's less transactions, but people are still buying. They're still buying. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I would say, don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush. If if there's a really good deal, then take it, of course. You know, you've always got to be looking. And what really annoys me is people I've dealt with for 20, 30 years ring me and they go, are you buying at the moment, John? I've been buying for the last 43 years. I've never stopped buying. Of course, I tell everyone I'm always buying, you know, because you, you don't know what the opportunity is going to be. So why would you say to someone, no, no, I'm not buying. Madness. Of course you're buying. The shop's always open. Whether it's the right day, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, I don't care what day it is. It's always open. Oh, I'm going on holiday for a month, so I won't be contacting them. I don't think so. I'm always available. And if there's the deal there to be done, someone's got to do it. Yeah. Great. Well, that sounds like a great place to wrap up. What's tell us what you're what are you up to over the next, you know, with with the Sky TV and Property Elevator and graduates, you know, what's going on? Yeah, so I've got a I've got a two-day um seminar, 13th, 14th of November. It's the first one I'm doing this year, um, in 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 Canary Wharf. Um I've got we've got the property graduate coming out mid-November, five episodes of series three, which is fun. I think one lady seemed to think I was a bit, she stormed off, stormed out. So I think she thought I was being a bit rude to her, <laughs> which I, I I, just said, we're not putting you through. I didn't, you know, I wasn't like, but anyway, she stormed off. So she hasn't spoke to me since. So I'm a bit disappointed at that because everyone needs to take it in a good spirit, really. Um, anyway, she obviously didn't. So uh, so that would be good to see on telly. Uh, <laughs> to see her face, not good. She's not very happy. Um, mm. So uh, we've got, we got that. We've got series, which I can't believe. We've got series seven, I said, of Property Elevator being filmed in February. We've got our property conference that we were, Elevator conference that we were going to have in November. We're now having that at the end of, the very end of January. And it's going to be all about what's going to happen next year to the property market. What are the opportunities and all the rest of it. So that should be good fun. Um, and I've, yeah, I'm quite busy speaking uh, in November, different places. Um, not so much. December quiets down, doesn't it? But by the way, December is a great time to find a bargain because everyone else has given up. True. True. Lots of lots of great tips today, John. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Great <laughs> to see you again. Time. And, uh, you know, we'll book in for next year, see where we're up to then. <laughs> see if we got it right, shall we? An annual. <laughs> right, guys. Thank you so much for listening as always and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're not yet a subscriber to the magazine, click the link in the show notes for your free 30-day trial and we'll see you next time.